Namaskar and welcome to Daily Global Insights, episode 244. Today is Monday and here are the main points. Al-Qaeda leader Al-Zawahiri appears in a chilling 9-11 video. Pictures and videos emerge of Taliban slaughter one week after the media interview from Panjshir. Is the UN and the world turning a blind eye? FBI declassifies the 9-11 documents. A Saudi official helped with the logistics and the report is a 15-page redacted report. Indian PM soon to launch a national intelligence grid to fight terror. In global news, Al-Qaeda leader Al-Zawahiri appears in a chilling 9-11 video. Namaskar, Sridhar Ji, and welcome to P Guru's channel. Your thoughts on what is happening with this uh, new video that has emerged of Al-Zawahiri. We thought he was gone. Uh, Namaskar, good morning uh, to everybody, uh, or good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, yes, sir, I think the, uh, the three important uh, incidents, the first one that you are alluding to is on the 20th anniversary, the, the, the video of uh, Al-Zawahiri uh, and his message, which is uh, seems to coincide with a number of incidents, it's a recorded video, not a live video, uh, coincide with a number of incidents, including around Syria that he has alluding to. So, to me, it sends a very clear message. The war on terror after 20 years and 8 trillion is just about to begin because everybody is intact, including this deputy leader who took over the leadership when Mr. Osama bin Laden, um, you know, was, uh, was compromised or he, he was killed by the U.S. forces. So you find now the Al-Qaeda is fully intact, operational, and this is a very provocative video that has come out. And no American left behind in Afghanistan is a blatant lie by Biden administration, says retired Lieutenant Colonel Marine Corps Oliver North. Pictures and videos emerge of Taliban slaughter one week after the media interview from Panjshir. Do the UN and the world turn a blind eye towards what is happening in Panjshir? Viewers, we gave a very detailed video with Major General retired G.D. Bakshi, who explained what was going on a few days ago. I hope you have seen that one. But here is some more perspective on that. Sridharji, your thoughts? Uh, well, I think I said there are three important messages that is going to Mr. Biden. First is the Al-Zairi video. The second message is that he had promised and we had seen this, uh, you know, videos played out last in the uh, Daily Global Insights uh, programs, uh, which is no American will be left behind. No, there's Americans left behind and they're stranded. And we covered this issue again. What is the third one? The third one is the Taliban will comply with uh, international norms and regulations. No, they are not complying. Pictures and videos are emerging that basically show that uh, you know, they are uh, continuing the same, you know, brutal behavior, which was the, which was uh, the reason that, you know, these guys all went in, uh, not only to take out the Al-Qaeda, but also to take out the Taliban. Uh, one of the most gruesome pictures that we have seen is the Afghan soldier being beheaded and his head being uh, displayed by this, uh, you know, the Taliban uh, razzmatazz or ragtag, uh, you know, soldiers. And apparently there's another picture which shows that, uh, you know, the when they went into Panjshir Valley, uh, you know, some of the leader's children, 
not being spared and uh, being persecuted. Uh, there's another picture which shows, uh, if you recall, that uh, there was a there was an interview that was going on with uh, the, the 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 rebel uh, the the rebel movement leader or the former vice president, Mr. Saleh, and then subsequent to that, there was uh, a drone attack. Uh, you saw in that same from the same library, the uh, the Taliban people, uh, you know, sending a message. So none of these things reflect that what Mr. Biden had set out as part of his exit arrangement it only shows the belligerence of Taliban. And as you rightly said, uh, Sriji, where is the world? And when they talk about human rights and beat up countries like India, here, here you are and uh, a rogue regime, which is also being used by countries like China, behaving at whimsical fancies and there is absolutely no condemnation. So um, one other interesting thing that will be discussed tomorrow in our hangout uh, with Elmer Yuen is the friction that is developing between Russia and China over Taliban, as well as the mystery of the missing $64 billion. $88 billion is on the books as having been left behind in Afghanistan. The inventory shows up only $23 billion. What happened to the remaining? We'll talk about all these things in a hangout tomorrow. Do join us. And let's move on. Taliban rolls out red carpet to China Belt Road Initiative. Qatar foreign minister is visiting Kabul to hold discussions after the formation of the new government. France to not have any relationship with Taliban government, says its foreign minister. Your thoughts? I think the Taliban and China are making their decisions and making their uh, stands very clear. Uh, China has interest in uh, the Belt Road Initiative. Taliban has interest in recognition from one of the P5 members and one of the strategic countries in the region. Uh, so this seems like a very cozy, cozy relationship until it lasts. Uh, Qatari foreign minister is making a visit because Qatar is the one which facilitated. Uh, we had discussions with Mr. Bakshi, uh, which was conducted by uh, Sri RG, and then we had discussions with the former Minister for State, and he gave his views around uh, Qatar, and he basically was saying Qatar just was a, was a mediator. That's about it. I don't believe that he felt, felt that there was any further role, but the Qatari foreign minister is in Kabul um, to hold discussions. The France, has, France and UK have consistently maintained position that they do not recognize Taliban. These two nations and good, the good news is both of them are in P5, both are P5 members. They have made it explicitly, P5 here is United Nations Permanent Five Members. They have made it very clear that uh, they do not recognize this regime. And they have taken a stance that other countries must also take a united stand in opposing Taliban and holding them accountable uh, for the treaty that they signed, which formed the basis for them to get back into Afghanistan. And I might also add that the average person in on the streets of Kabul is right now going through a lot of difficulties. Uh, for the past, past three months, I'm told that salaries have not been paid to any state employee. Basically, it was the United States which was bankrolling the entire payroll of the government of uh, Afghanistan. This is what we are told. And now that they have pulled out, there is no money going around. We have to wait and see how this plays out. Plus, the United States and the West have frozen the assets of Afghanistan 
some $8 billion. That's not going to be coming out anytime soon. So it's going to be tough. If China is going to start bankrolling this, maybe this is it, it, This is their Waterloo. We have to wait and see how it plays out. Angela Merkel pushes for a large China-EU deal in her last meeting with Chinese dictator Xi Jinping. The deal is unlikely to be ratified by EU. So Germany is trying to make its own separate deal with Xi Jinping, sir? No, I think that she is, uh, everybody knows that Angela Merkel is one of the pre, pre or, you know, uh, pro-proponents of uh, China. She, during her regime, she gave a lot of access and leeway into China, just as uh, she did a big deal with the uh, Russia. You know, Russia. So I Nord think Stream two. Yeah. the Nord Stream 2 deal. So, so therefore, you have uh, Angela Merkel, uh, you know, making, uh, making a position. But I don't believe that the sentiments of many your EU nations align with that of Angela Merkel. But the point that, that we need to make is you can see how divided the world is and how easy it is for China to make its inroads via these such countries and yes. uh, try to try to get their influence into into those uh, into those uh, economic zones. Sridharji, we have been saying this again and again. There are 1.5 million people penetrated in the main society, main street of United States, United Kingdom, many of the Western powers that owe their allegiance to China, yet not one of them has been named. There is a report that names all these people, but that has not been released yet. We're still waiting to get that. At the same time, you know, China seems to still have its rate run large. And let's take a quick look at the next news item. United Kingdom to repeal powers allowing government to shut down the country for COVID-19 and repeal the laws for vaccine passports. I'm having a little bit of difficulty wrapping my heads around this. Sridharji, what does it all mean? It means there are two simple things. One is United Kingdom was uh, pushing for passports uh, along with France. Uh, There's tremendous objections that came from the public. Uh, there are also objections that came from uh, the the conservative uh, ministers and uh, members of the conservative party. So Boris Johnson has he uh, heeded to that, and he's basically said there will be no vaccine passports. Effectively, you got to have a passport either you want to travel in or out, or you want to wherever you want to go around. You got to carry this, uh, um, you, you know, method of identification. So I think he's basically saying, now let's kind of get on with it, and we are dispensing with the passport. The first one is very important, which is namely, they are repealing a mechanism which allowed the government to shut down the country on account of COVID. Now, what happens is once it is repealed, unless they repass uh, such a rule, you will not be able to shut down the country. They were afraid that this could be abused or mis misused if it is left as is. And that's what they have repealed. And China's Wang Yi says Vietnam should stop magnifying South China Sea issues. North Korea tests long-range cruise missiles overnight as Wang Yi lands in South Korea amidst massive anti-public sentiments. These are against China in South Korea. As we all know, South Korea is democratic and it is uh, essentially an ally of uh, uh, United States. And it, there was a concern that since the U.S. walked away from Afghanistan, if the U.S. would do a similar thing in South Korea. Sridharji, now where do things stand? Is U.S. firmly behind South Korea, Taiwan and Japan? Uh, where do things stand, sir? There are shifting stands right now. It's very interesting to see how Wang Yi is going about his job. 
recall that uh, Madam Kamala Harris was in Singapore, was in Vietnam, was in Philippines. Was, yes, was yes. not in Philippines, but there was a representative was in Philippines. So now you find that she went there to address their support, commitment, and uh, United States will stand behind. So what does Mr. Wang Yi do? He goes to Philipp he goes to uh, Philippines. He also goes to uh, Vietnam. Vietnam. And he tells right. the Vietnamese Prime Minister basically saying, hey, you know, uh, basically let's work together. Don't bring the South China Sea issue, you know, front center and back in front of the public, but we can work something out. Then what, what he does next, uh, remember Vietnamese uh, Prime Minister, we had covered in Global Insights that he's also likely to make his first overseas visit and his first overseas visit is to India. Uh, and in Vietnam, you have BrahMos missiles. They're one of the people who have countries which has acquired BrahMos missiles and they have on ground both, both in Vietnam as well as in Indonesia, they have BrahMos missiles. So he is trying to go and work around uh, the periphery because Wang Yi is a very senior member of the Chinese Communist Party setup. The fact that he is there is a reflection. Now you ask the question around Korea, there was to be a conference which has Japan, South Korea and United States to revisit and relook at the security issues and that has not happened as yet. And what does Wang Yi do? He flies from Vietnam into South Korea to meet with the South Korean president. As he does that, North Korea fires two long-range cruise missiles. And this is in a very covert and surreptitious manner, which has been picked up by the satellites, but not formally communicated uh, by the North Koreans. He lands there with this fellow belligerent North Korea launching the missiles and South Korea likely to have discussions with United States around Taiwan with Japan. Correct. So he goes and tries to, you know, again, put these issues, though there may be sympathy from the South Korean government to receive Mr. Bang Yi, the public sentiments are saying we want to do, we do not want to have anything with China. In a major development, Iran reaches a deal with IAEA and allows upgradation of surveillance cameras in the nuclear sites. Israel conducts massive bombing raids bombing raids in response to Hamas rockets. Sridharji, uh, Iran is now again saying that, yes, you can come take a look. It could mean two things. One is that there was some misinformation about the state of advancement of their nuclear enrichment. And the other one is that they somehow think that wherever they are going to be able to giving access, it will not reveal anything new. That's how I see it. Your thoughts? Well, I think these are all maneuvers that are going on. Iran is in a very strong position. Uh, Iran has now, you know, patch, uh, not patched up. Iran has conducted as a number of meetings with Iraq in Iraq. We also saw a Middle East summit being conducted in Iraq, in Baghdad, hosted by Iraq, uh, with even Saudi Arabia and France and Jordan and Egypt present. So Iran is uh, flexing its muscles. Um, why they initially declined IAEA, now they have kind of, uh, you know, reversed their position. They are allowing IAEA uh, to have uh, what they call additional cameras uh, to for monitoring purposes uh, is a big mystery. You probably they have already well on the way. They have, uh, you know, Israel is more right on what is happening within 
Iran than anybody else, including United States. So Iran, Israel has already prepared. We covered this again in the Daily Global Insights. The IDF is ready with a plan to act, uh, notwithstanding the fact United States it will work, uh, it will use diplomatic uh, and other mechanisms in terms of dealing with uh, uh, then this nuclear belligerence. So Iran is, uh, you know, is uh, it thinks that it can have nuclear on one side. It can have Afghanistan as a uh, what you call a negotiating uh, tool, then it also thinks that it can work with countries such as India, Iran foreign minister is likely to visit India. So you have uh, work with uh, Russia and China and India. Uh, so it thinks that it can do a number of maneuvers to outmaneuver Israel uh, and United States. Let us wait and see how these things pan out. But this, we, uh, this IAEA is a new development, whether anything is going to come out of it uh, you know, one beg it begs the question. And let's take a quick look at the United States news. Uh, Senator Manchin says, I will not support the 3.5 trillion budget plan, and we have already voted for a 5.4 <coughs> trillion America rescue plan. There is no rush for this. Democratic disunity threatens to stall the Biden domestic agenda. Sridharji, Manchin has been very, very vocal in his opposition to this. Perhaps he's in one of those states where it could go either way. I'm not sure. You can perhaps lay out the picture because everything that any senator, congressman, congresswoman says these days, it is aimed at trying to get re-elected. That's how I see it. Sridharji, you can tell me if I'm wrong. No, I think you are, you are, you are, uh, you know, your assessment is absolutely correct. But I think there is also a brewing... Uh, uh, discontent that is go that is coming within the Democratic Party because what is going on is not just uh, there's 3.5 trillion dollars but the scope and the expansive nature of activities that they are tying to this budget is worrying a number of people within Democratic Party remember this is the progressive agenda the progressives are trying to push this and progressives are unleashing a flurry of volleys whosoever is dissenting on this various range of issues that is being tied to uh, this 3.5 trillion. But Manchin's point is very clear. We already have an infrastructure budget. That money is unlikely to be spent before June, July 2022. What is the sense of rush to put this 3.5 trillion when we have not released and spent that money? We have so far spent $6.5 trillion already into the uh, into uh, allocated not fully spent 6.5 trillion dollars allocated uh, by virtue of various stimulus programs so he is now beginning to raise the right economic questions even without going into uh, the other tags that are being uh, added to this budget so he has started to become very vocal uh, and he has basically told i am not signing this by september 27th whatever schumer may say my vote is not with for signing this. So that has really put a wrench uh, and you are beginning to see more rumbles and more cracks emerging within the normal, sensible members of the Democratic Party. And the FBI declassifies the 9-11 documents. Saudi official helped with the logistics and the report is a 15-page redacted report. The Trump makes a surprise visit to the NYPD and FDNY and shares moments and tells them you are the best. Hints at a 2024 run. 
A Navy SEAL who shot Bin Laden says the internal divisions in America is the biggest threat. Hidharji, Trump, is he hinting that he is going to be making a run for the 2024 U.S. presidential elections? And what was the hint? What was the thing that was giving away? Uh, two important things. 20 years ago, he was, uh, you know, when the 9-11 happened, uh, he was there. You know, he's a New Yorker, um, you know, fully supportive. Uh, Mr. Rudy Giuliani was the mayor at that point of time. 20 years later, on the 20th anniversary, he was there. Uh, he, he, he went into uh, the FDNY, that is uh, Fire Department New York, uh, and uh, NYPD offices. He held uh, what we call a town hall. And, uh, you know, he, may, he gave a speech, uh, you know, we, we couldn't get to the video, otherwise we would have uh, put, put up that video as well. Uh, and you could see that you were, they were asked the question, yeah, the, the, the NYPD, FTNY officers asked the question, Mr. Trump, what do you think? You know, we want you back. He said, look, you know, the campaign finance laws mitigate me and, you know, yeah, in terms of what I can say and what I cannot say. But hope for the good news. These were his comments. So this is the first very positive sign that he is going to be running for 2024. And the House hearings to commence on Afghan exit disaster with the Secretary of State first on the agenda. Uh, I'm sure people are going to ask questions about the missing 60 odd billion dollars, where it went, whose pockets it lined, and there are allegations that the pocket lining went all the way up to the top. Sridharji, another uh, situation where, you know, U.S. finds itself like, oh, my God, we're not going to get another opportunity to get our hands on 60-odd billion. And, and, and a lot of people have been sold off. That's what uh, allegations are coming. We don't have the proof yet. So, Sridharji, now even the amount of funding, the insane amount of money that's being used for funding the infrastructure of America doesn't appear to be reaching the right hands. Well, you know, I think we have always maintained, if you go back to, you know, when we started the 995 billion stimulus going back to December 2nd, um, when the elections results uh, had come out and leading all the way up to January, eventually when it got passed, we had indicated very clearly that any government-run program, even going back to the Jobs Act program that was enacted during the uh, Obama years, eventually did not produce any economic outcome. So therefore, when you, when you raise the questions, when you raise these questions, it's very clear. We already have an issue around the 80, $85 billion mispayments on the um, unspent uh, money on the health care or the, yeah, the, the, the medical uh, issue. Then we have issues around the, uh, for which Janet Yellen is likely to be called, on the uh, rental assistance program that was, that money has been, not been accounted for. Uh, now you have, uh, you know, some more data coming out around this. So therefore, it's very clear that this, when you give people these billions and billions and billions of dollars, the government is not organized to distribute this volume of money, especially in a pandemic type of a situation. Even during the Trump period, we saw the distribution from the IRS or uh, the, the, the appropriate agency 
money being sent to people overseas, you know, these direct payments, they're not supposed to receive. It's only for those who are, you may be citizen, but you have to be resident in the United States to be entitled to the money. So nothing, this, none of this is surprising at all, uh, Sri uh, Ji, that uh, this, this, there's more to it than what we have seen or what we are seeing and what is being reported. And uh, Florida Governor DeSantis has this to say on Afghanistan. Biden wanted a photo op on 9-11 and nothing more. So DeSantis is also beginning to, you know, take Biden head on. And we have uh, the Texas governor, Nebraska governor now, Ricketts, rails against Biden's vaccine mandate. Texas attorney general to sue Biden on vaccine mandate. So this vaccine mandate is what that is that all the government officials need to be vaccinated in order to show up to work is that the one sir it is it is uh by the way uh, just to add some sarcastic humor to this none of the congress staff and congress members and other adjacent officials who are in capitol hill uh, they are not bound by this mandate which prompted even some of the hollywood people to raise and say ah that's how the government works. It's only for others, not for not for them. They are a secluded or excluded unique class. So this vaccine mandate, there is a complete blowout. Remember, New York City is, uh, is a liberal. The hospitals are now saying, the staff who do maternity support are saying, they are not going to abide by the vaccine mandate. If required, they will quit the jobs and there will be any maternity support happening in New York City hospitals. I'm just, the reason why I'm pointing this out is the level of discontent that is permeating both in liberal as well as in the Republican states is very profound. The specifics here is they are now telling companies which have more than 100 people, those companies have to bow or bound by this mandate. That means any employee who is in this particular category where you have more than 100, they have to be vaccinated if they have to enter the workforce. And it has to be enforced. There's no exception. And then over the weekend, just as the breaking news, they have given exception to those people, uh, you know, who have medical conditions and you have uh, religious or whatever other norms they are trying to give exceptions. And they have stated, please don't use these ex exceptions as a rule but the vaccine mandate prevails. So I think this whole thing is going to fall apart uh, and the red states are up in arms and the blue states, workers and people are slowly beginning to oppose this whole concept of compulsory, otherwise you won't be allowed to work. And in India news, the RBI governor in his interview over the weekend says that inflation is under control and will fall to 5.6% from 6% while staying firm on the fiscal year 22 forecast of a 9.5% GDP growth. How realistic is this number, Sridharji? The number, uh, the 9.5% GDP, they, are, they seem to be on track based on at least various sets of private data that I am seeing, not the government data or not the RBI data. The data that I am seeing that they seem to be pre predominantly driven by exports uptick in the in the um, uh, manufacturing again driven towards the exports the merchandise exports that has occurred the agricultural exports 
and agricultural production increases, except for the services, but they see positive moments. They believe they can hit. We have covered this in the uh, the in the in the DGI, the 400 billion targets on the merchandise export. So that's where it is coming from. So which means there's a lot of opportunity on the table once the services sector, which has not kicked off, begins to tick off. You know, as the economy begins to gain momentum, the reason why there is positive, at least the positive, uh, what you call green shoots is India seems to be controlling the Delta variant better. We'll cover this data tomorrow for the, in the interest of time. Seems to be uh, covering the uh, Delta variant much better than many of the ASEAN countries, as well as United States and some of the European members. And uh, in other news, Imphal is the fourth northeastern city to come on the national rail map. Uh, Imphal is the capital of Manipur, I think. See, my geography is a little rusty right now. Your thoughts, Sridharji? Well, it just is a, uh, is a reinforcement that the amount of infrastructure, the amount of connectivity, the amount of uh, work that has been done is beginning to pay off and dividend pay dividends. We talked about the couple of other states uh, within the northeastern region which got the rail connection for the first time. Manipur now, uh, Imphal gets uh, the, the, the connectivity via the rail. So it just reinforces that it's not just China. Remember, China is also, you know, planning to have both civilian and military uh, rail infrastructure, you know, around that border area. India is saying, no, we are also ramping up and we are ready to, uh, to, to, to take on the challenge uh, as is appropriate. To me, I think the, the clearly around that entire region, uh, from stretching from northeast, going all the way to north, up north and to the west, uh, in, India has really honed in the, its infrastructure. And I believe that it is ready to take uh, China on in, besides uh, helping the people. I think it's one of your uh, one of the uh, uh, fireside sessions, especially with uh, Mr. J V Shiramji, uh, that just occurred, um, uh, you know, a couple of days ago or three, four days ago. Uh, he emphasized the amount of work that's been done, uh, especially around this Manipal and the uh, Tripura and Assam areas. Uh, both not only the connectivity, but also some of the export stuff that is happening out of that uh, economic development that is uh, happening and infrastructure is one of the key components of the infrastructure uh, of the economic development yes indeed and uh, do watch that video because uh, jvc Sriram looked at the five states that are going to polls in the early part of 2022 and manipur happens to be one of them and his observation was that for the first time in their lives manipuris are seeing a value for their real estate which used to not exist before. That's a very welcome sign as uh, more connectivity to the national networks happens, then Manipur will also become more robust. And this is where one of the main areas of growth is going to be because uh, the Modi government is very clear that they are going to use this access to get into untapped markets down south, like Myanmar, Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, Malaysia, what have you on the road, by road, and, and perhaps the rail will, will follow soon. It's, 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 a, it's an amazing, amazing endeavor because it's not easy. This is, this is something that I think I tip my hat to the Modi government, that they were at it and they've achieved quite a bit of success. 
uh, kudos to them. Sridharji, Indian forces to have training modules on Taliban and complete profile on leadership and modus operandi. Indian PM is soon to launch a national intelligence grid to fight terror. Sridharji, the people may think, why did India not have this sooner? I, I guess you can always say that anything can be asked this question. It's a rhetorical question. Your thoughts on what the national national intelligence grid brings to the table? Uh, there are two things. First is we'll cover the Taliban. Uh, the fact that they've given due importance to Taliban with the emergence of Taliban uh, around uh, uh, back to power uh, and number of other, you know, free, uh, adjacent uh, terrorist groups and terrorist forces coming in and world in harmony saying that it's only a matter of time before Kabul becomes the headquarters for the global terrorist units. We have already seen Al-Qaeda. We have seen the adjacent units from Pakistan. Uh, we have seen ISIS-K operating in that region. So they are seamless. Nobody can control. Taliban has no ability to control. I don't know. Again, in one of the show, one of the, I think Mr. Bakshi or uh, either uh, Mr. MJ Akbar in their uh, uh, ops, in, in, in the offsites with us, they had pointed out that, you know, the uh, Taliban leadership has no ability to control any of the second and third tier people. Whatever they do, they do. So the fact that India is recognizing this and establishing a cell to build profile and capabilities to deal with any issues that arise is a good thing. Now, with, you, with regard to your central theme, which is namely why they are creating a central grid is you can see as some of the election outcomes possibly has uh, not gone the way that uh, Mr. Modi uh, probably expected. And there are always, uh, you know, loose forces which are making their way. I gather, I mean, which you probably know much better than I do, that in Tamil Nadu, you are beginning to see some, as an example, we are seeing that even in West Bengal, we probably are seeing this in Punjab, you are beginning to see some, you know, outside elements creeping their way in. And one cannot just assume that there's only going to be some issues in the northeastern and in this could be, uh, you know, permeating across the country. So therefore, they require naturally India requires a national kind of intelligence and infrastructure capabilities to deal with this dispensation, sir. Iran foreign minister is set to visit India in the coming days to further coordination on Afghanistan. India and Australia call for an inclusive government in Afghanistan. So you can see that many governments are not accepting this present situation in Afghanistan, uh, where Pakistan has pretty much at will pulled people out and put people in. It's, it's just a joke. This, this kind of selection process that they do for their own government, they seem to have done it for uh, Taliban too, to, to as if make it look like uh, Pakistan owns uh, uh, Afghanistan. I don't know how long the Afghan people are going to take this lying down. Sridharji, your thoughts? I think my thoughts are I, I endorse the sentiments that you have expressed. Already the women are out in streets more than the men. The women are out in streets protesting. Uh, you are going to see again very different set of people coming in. Can Afghan uh, rebels, Taliban rebels and these remnant forces uh, get away with human rights as they did before? You have China right in the front and center. Russia has not vacated. It has still people on ground in Afghanistan. The world is watching. 
there is an attempt to use United Nations um, developmental agencies or United Nations relief program, human resources program, uh, plus also International Red Cross to get aid in. Uh, as you pointed out, uh, as you rightly pointed out, that they need money and that dispensation will only occur through these agencies. So the question, therefore, is when you have all these things happening, how is this all going to play out is a billion dollars question. Whether this will force Taliban to go back into its old habits and many of the countries basically dissuading and, uh, disp uh, and, and then moving away from any engagement with Taliban, uh, you know, will put uh, the cat amongst the pigeons and basically make the point true, which is namely, this is going to become a very, very potent and vulnerable uh, point in the world for the world to deal with. And that's what we are left with as a result of this abrupt exit. And to wrap it up, as you rightly say, all these countries are disowning. Nobody seems to say that we want to work with Taliban. India and US to launch climate accord and finance mobilization dialogue, says John Kerry and the State Department is going to be involved. If anything, India has been exceeding all their climate uh, uh, objectives. So I'm, 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 I'm curious as to what Mr. John Kerry hopes to accomplish. He seems to be the person who is kind of, uh, you know, doing his own parallel track in terms of diplomacy. Uh, yes, he has to deliver something to Mr. Biden. So he went to China on COPS, uh, which is this, uh, uh, what you call the carbon omission uh, agreement uh, that is going to be a climate accord. Uh, CO stands for climate accord uh, 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 agreement. That is, uh, there's a conference which is in, I think, COPS 26, it is called. Um, and he went to China, he's come to India because to me, to him, there's only one country, there's only one, India. Uh, Germany and France have also acceded to. Uh, to Mr. Kerry, but India is the big gorilla in the room. So, you know, these are the only place they can go. Where, where else they can go? And then he's making his... Uh, this is his uh, second or third visit, if I'm correct. So, uh, the CIA director was he was in India, and then he left, and then now Mr. Kerry is back in uh, India to meet with external affairs, uh, as well as Minister for External Affairs, that, that particular group. Then you have the... Uh, the climate group as well as the Prime Minister Modi. So he seems to be running, as you rightly said, his own agenda. Where does this fit in? It, uh, uh, it, uh, you know, it just begs the question as to what exactly is the uh, foreign policy, what exactly is the policy of the Biden administration around many things that are going on uh, besides the domestic issues that Biden is confronted with. Uh, it's a mess. In summary, it's a mess. Uh, it doesn't add up. None of these things add up uh, in terms of what the world needs as a priority, sir. As a matter of fact, you'll get a little bit more insights into what Mr. Kerry was doing in China in our hangout with Elmer Yuan tomorrow. I know I'm putting out all these teasers, but it is important to understand that there's a lot happening around the world. And it is our goal to give you all the facts anywhere and everywhere. And let's take a look at markets. Stock futures are modestly positive after five down days. Rising inflation and slowing growth weighing on markets. What to look for in the week ahead is the consumer price index and retail sales data. Sridharji, I am continuing to buy a lot. <laughs> Wherever I used to buy, sir, is nothing, uh, you know, no, no dip. As a matter of fact, if there's anything, it has gone up. 
And uh, but I don't want to meet me as the model for the country. What are your thoughts? Is the stock market going to continue to go up? Well, stock market is already up. As I mentioned to you, year to date, you know, they're somewhere between 15, 17 percent without dividends for S&P. Um, and, you know, Dow has done well, NASDAQ has done well. Uh, I think there's some uh, the analysts, uh, we, we again uh, gave this data last week. We expect the markets to go up by another, you know, three to four percent before the year end, predominantly driven by more money coming into the system. The continued interest rate, uh, 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 low interest rate, which plays into the uh, which plays into the revenues of the um, earnings of the uh, S&P companies, but that doesn't mean that there is no inflation. That doesn't mean that there is no uh, what you call uh, negative sentiments flowing from the um, from the COVID, and doesn't mean that the uh, interest rates are not going to have bearings on the uh, those who have loans on the balance sheets. The consumer balance sheets doesn't mean that they're not going to be impacted. But the markets are driven by cash, and the markets are driven by interest rates. Both are in favor of the markets as far as this year is concerned. Everything will happen next year, but this year you can expect, again, the market to continue to tick. By the way, by the time I came into the show, the market was up 200 points. The Dow was up 200 points, having lost 271. But that doesn't mean in 30 minutes after we finish the show, the market has not pulled back. The futures, this is. The market starts in about uh, at 9 o'clock, 9.30. Uh, but there's some positive sentiments which is basically just sentiments rather than any market indicators. And that's it for tonight. And tomorrow we'll be back again bright and early. One request to the uh, thousands, or I should say hundreds of people who are logged in right now, please like our program as soon as it starts. It's a request. You know the quality is going to be the same regardless of which day we broadcast it. And, and by liking it, you have uh, given us a bit, better chance to go viral because it triggers a bigger circulation amongst the social media platforms. Hopefully you can heed our request and like it as soon as the program starts. Thanks for watching. Sridharji, we'll be back tomorrow bright and early. Namaskar. Namaskar. Thank you. Have a wonderful day and uh, good to see you all.